Hello, this is the Book Launch Show, and I'm your host, Tim Grawl. And this week, I'm talking with Valerie about really digging in and getting started with outreach. You know, outreach is one of the things that you have to do. It's one of those just, you have to move people from not knowing you exist to knowing you exist. It's the only way to grow your audience, right? Is to move people from not knowing you exist to knowing you exist. But a lot of times it's often the hardest part for authors to really get started on because it just, you have to put yourself out there. uh, You put yourself in the way of getting rejected. It's also pretty ambiguous. It's also hard to know where to start. And so one of the places I think right now that is the best, most straightforward place to start is by being interviewed on podcasts. I really like this for a couple different reasons. The first is you don't have to create a bunch of new content. You don't have to create a, you know, write a whole new blog post or you don't have to create anything. You literally get on the phone, get on a Skype call, whatever it is, and hit record. They ask you questions, you answer questions, and that's it. So it's much more straightforward as far as creating the content. Also, it creates a very clear win-win for the podcasters, right? So there's so many of these podcasts that are interview-based podcasts, and so they constantly need new people to interview. And so by you going on the show, you're actually being helpful by giving them somebody to interview. So A lot of the stuff we're going to talk about in this episode is just the kind of nitty gritty, planning it out, who you're going to reach out to, what you're going to ask them, how do you pitch them, you know, all this stuff that can really trip you up as you get started. So it's a really helpful episode. I think you'll start to see how you can do your own outreach as well. And so before we jump in, I do want to mention a couple things. So first off, I am starting another round of Business of Books Mastermind. So this is a six-month intensive small mastermind that I lead. It is each month we go over a new topic and we do group calls and we do individual check-ins. And it's really for people that are trying to grow their author business. Maybe you've gotten something going, you've started to get your platform going, or you're making a little bit of money, or your sales are going up a little bit, but you're really wanting to take it to the next level. And this is based on all the work I've done in my own business over the last decade, plus the fact that I've gotten to work one-on-one and uh, look behind the scenes and help behind the scenes with lots and lots of really well-known popular, successful authors and see how they're running their businesses. And I've gotten to work with authors that run their own huge consulting firms. I've gotten to work with authors that are speaking full-time or are building their info product business or whatever it is. And I've gotten to help them build that. And so what I want to do is help you do that. And so if you're looking at, you just feel like maybe you've plateaued or you're stuck in the work that you're doing and you want to, would love to work with me and a small group of people to really just go to the next level over about a six month period, I'm just starting to take applications for the next round of the mastermind. So if it's something you think you might be interested in, you can go to booklaunch.com slash mastermind, and there's a little bit more information there, and then you can fill out the application. Uh, We're doing the applications just to make sure that everybody that comes in is a good fit. So I think it's something that, uh, again, if you are looking to really take, take what you're doing to the next level, and you know if you could just have 
me and a small group of people come alongside you, that would be all the difference you need to really make that jump. I highly recommend you go check that out. I also wanted to mention a few days ago, I had just gotten home. I had picked my kids up from school. I was just standing in my kitchen. They were upstairs kind of putting their stuff away, getting started on their homework. And my phone rang and I looked down and it was a friend of mine who I haven't talked to in a while, probably a couple years I haven't talked to. Maybe we've texted a couple times. And uh, he's a pretty well-known author himself. And I picked up the phone. I was like, hello? You know, I'm kind of wondering, like, did somebody die? Is everything okay? Like, you know, when you haven't talked to somebody for such a long time and then they just call you out of the blue, I'm always like, "Uh uh-oh, what happened? But he had read my book. He had read Running Down a Dream. And he just wanted to call me to tell me the kind of difference that it was making for him. He had been putting the exercises into practice and he was just telling me how just a lot of the personal realizations he had about himself, what was holding him back on running down his dream and just the changes that the book had made to his life. And, you know, it's one of those things that as an author, we can't hear enough is the people that, you know, there's people that read the book and don't like it. Hopefully that's a small group of people. There's a much bigger group of people that read it and they're like, that's good. That's a you know, that's a good book. And then there's always that group of people that read it and it, the book just really speaks to them. And he's just one of a lot of emails I've gotten, conversations I've had with people as they've read Running Down a Dream, and it really spoke to them. And so if you haven't picked up a copy yet, I highly recommend you check it out. Of course, you can buy it at Amazon.com, you can buy it at Parnassus.com, and you can also buy it at blackirishbooks.com. And I recommend you pick up a copy. I think you'll really enjoy it. If you like this show, if you like just hearing about what it's like to run down a dream, I think it's something you'll really enjoy. So grab your copy. But from there, let's go ahead and jump into this episode and get started. So this podcast is all about marketing, launching your book. But if you're an author and you have a book, book coming out, book already out, you're doing something special. You're doing something that most people are afraid to do, in my opinion. They're actually going after that thing that they want. Everybody says they want to write a book. You've actually done it. You're actually doing it. And what that means is that you have a dream that you're trying to accomplish. You have this idea of the kind of writer you want to be, the kind of life you want to live, the kind of artist you want to be. And so, I wrote my book, Running Down a Dream, Your Roadmap to Winning Creative Battles for People Just Like You. Based on my last decade of overcoming my creative battles, of being stuck in the mud, stuck feeling like I'm always going to be a failure, stuck feeling like this thing that I want is stupid and never going to happen. And I wrote this book to share the true journey of what this looks like. A lot of self-help books, a lot of books about creativity, they kind of share, oh, well, it was really hard. And then look at all the awesome stuff I learned. And this book is different. It will walk you through what I think the real story of running down a dream really, really looks like. So, I put everything in there and on top of that, I put the tools I learned along the way. So, if you know anything about me and my work, you know I can't help but be practical. So, I took that story of running down my dream, of chasing what I wanted in life, of overcoming creative battles and I broke it down into really practical tools that you can apply to overcome your own creative demons. So, running down a dream is out now. 
It's at Amazon and all the other different places that you can buy books. It's available uh, audiobook, ebook, and paperback. So check it out, buy a copy, share one with a friend, and it's a great way to support this show. Thanks. Welcome to the Book Launch Podcast, helping authors launch and market their books. Hello, Tim. How are you today? Good. You feeling better? I am. Thank you so much. Okie dokie. My homework for last week was to do some research on podcasts. Now, here's the issue with podcasts. (laughs) It is so much fun to research them. It is what a (laughs) lovely rabbit hole this is. There's a lot of great shows out there. There is. But what can happen with me especially is that I can waste a lot of time. So I very quickly had to pull way back and come up with a strategy for researching them so that I spent my time in a focused way and in a targeted way that was actually going to get me some results rather than just, you know, 50 more podcasts on my phone to listen to. (laughs) Right. So here's what I started with. I wrote down my goal for this exercise. Okay. Well, the goal really is for my marketing strategy. So I want to find readers and give them an opportunity to get to know me and my work. If what I do is a fit for them, I want to invite them to my mailing list so that I can start to develop a relationship with them and turn them into fans. If the relationship creates value for them, I can ultimately sell them more books in the future. So that hit, that's just a plain language version of your connection system, right? Find readers, that's the outreach. Give them an opportunity to get to know me and my work. That's the content part. If I'm a good fit for them, Invite them to the mailing list so I can develop a relationship with them. That's the permission part. And then if the relationship creates value, I can sell them more books in the future. And that's the sell part. All right. Believe it or not, I was getting lost in all this this week. So to find the readers, first I had to identify the personas, right? And I went through that exercise. Mm -hmm. Then I had to figure out where these people hang out and what they like to talk about. So there's lots of different places where they hang out and we're focusing on podcasts. And because of the nature of the type of books that I'm writing, my approach to podcast research is more shotgun. It's more like casting the net wide as opposed to laser focused. And I can really see why conventional wisdom in the indie world anyway, has been for writers to pick a genre that sells very well and write a million books in it. You know, if I just write a bunch of romances and develop your backlist, write a bunch of thrillers, if that's your thing, and get a backlist, because then that allows you to laser focus everything in your whole marketing strategy. Right. But me being me, <laughs> I can't seem to do that. I, I, I just get bored too quickly. So that's why my net is cast wide. So I went back to an exercise you had me do. Hold on. I thought we talked about the fact that your whole focus is going to be love stories for busy women. Yes, absolutely. Okay. It is. But that puts me in women's fiction. So when I go to do the podcast research, that means I have to cast my net wide. There aren't very many podcasts that are laser focused on that topic. Well, I mean, so like while you were talking, I Googled romance novels podcast. I found a link on bookriot.com that says snuggle up with these 15 romance podcasts. One on a love so true.com that is 11 of the best podcasts for romance readers. A link on player.fm best romance novels podcast 2019. 
So like, I think there's, maybe I'm getting you off track of what you wanted to talk about, but my thought is there are laser focus and there are shotgun. And the reason why you have to expand outside of laser focus is because there's usually only a small number of them, but there are some. Like, I'm looking here, 45 romance podcasts for your listening pleasure. Right. And I have looked at those, and some of them okay. are applicable to, to my book, the type of book that I have written, because I haven't written a romance per se. Like, when I look mm -hmm. at the types of interviews they do, the books that they're reviewing and so forth, if you went on Amazon, they'd all be listed over in the romance section. Okay. So, because I've written a love story, yeah, I can dip a toe over in that, those podcasts. Absolutely but not exclusively. Right. Well, so I think it's important that you see that just because your book can be applied in different ways doesn't mean that you have to only... So this is something that I felt like Tim Ferriss did really well all the way back in 2007 when he came out with your first... or uh, came out with The 4-Hour Workweek is when he pitched to, say, tech bloggers... He talked about all the ways, all the things in the book that were specific to the tech industry. And then when he pitched the book to lifestyle, you know, entrepreneur type blogs, he talked about all the stuff in the book that was about quitting your job and living the life you want to live, you know. And he was constantly reframing the book to fit whatever niche he wanted to talk to. So I think the fact that even though your book may not be a straight kind of, you know, trashy romance novel, doesn't mean that it's not something like when you pitch it to the romance people, you pitch it as a romance novel because it is. Now, yes, there's other things in it and it's broader than that, but you kind of adapt it to the audience of the outlet you're trying to pitch it to. Right. Okay. But I'm not limited to the romance podcasts or the podcasts Correct. that are interested in love stories, right? Right. You had me brainstorm a list of other topics that I could talk about. Okay, yes. Right? So, right. what I had when I started to do my research was just a, a list, an unorganized list of things I could possibly do. And it was just, you know, it was a rabbit hole. I was, you know, getting lost. I was going deeper and deeper until if you look at the spreadsheet, what I have is just a list of podcasts in the first column, like I have no way of knowing which of them I should be targeting, how to pitch each of them. I came up basically with two main kinds of podcasts, interview-based podcasts, right? Which would be, say, a lot of those ones you just found. And there's other ones as well, writing podcasts, editing podcasts, that are all interview-based. But then there's these book club podcasts. So the book club podcasts, the ones I have found so far anyway, are not interview based. So I think the most I can do with them is offer to send them my book for them to review on the podcast. And if they wanted to do a meet the author event, because some book clubs do that, then I could make myself available for that. So that's kind of, I think, the most I can do with those types of podcasts, right? Correct. So then with the interview based podcasts, I have groups so that I can laser focus my research by group. So one of them would be podcasts that have to do with love stories, you know, the romance podcasts and so forth. Another one would be podcasts that are about women's issues. So two of the podcasts are about women who are writers, and it's talking about running a business as a writer. 
and I have leads on both of those. Another one is about writing creativity specifically for women, and I have a lead on one of those. So what I had to do, once I made my list of different podcast topics that I could research, I had to organize them so that I could laser focus and take one at a time. Does that make sense? Okay, yeah. I use the spreadsheet that you have from one of your courses. Mm-hmm. And of course, the first column is just the list of podcasts, and then you have a contact name and a podcast description. It's all very straightforward, except for two columns. And I need your help to figure out how to approach these two. That's the tier column, and you've got three, Mm -hmm. two, or one. So how do I figure out if the podcast is a three, a two, or a one? Some of them will be obvious, like the ladies we need to talk would be a top tier. And I assume the top tier would be one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they're big influencers. Other ones would obviously be a three or a two, but for most of them, how do I figure that out if I'm not already? Like, ladies, we need to talk. I know that one because I've listened to all the podcasts, (laughs) right? Okay. So, and what's the other column? The approximate reach. How do I figure that out? Yeah. Those are the ones that most people have problems with. And it's, and it's hard because most, most people don't post like how many email subscribers they have or how many downloads they get each month of their podcast or whatever. And so all I use that column for is to try to find some kind of indication about the size of the following. So that's where if they don't have like how many comments do they get on blog posts? How many Twitter followers do they have? How many Instagram followers do they have to just try to get a sense of the audience size so that you can understand how big they are. The other thing that you can do with podcasts is to look how high they rank in their category inside of iTunes so that you can just get a sense for that as well. Now the tier three, two, or one, I use that a little, I wouldn't use that as heavily on this. So normally what this, when I developed this spreadsheet, it was to help with book launches. So, you know, six months before a book is coming out, an author hires me. And the first thing I have them do is fill out the very left column, which is just the name of the outlet, right? So it's either the author or the podcast owner or the, or it's Forbes or whatever it is of all the influencer kind of outlets they have potential access to. And some of the people I worked with would list out literally 150, right? Because they, they're well known. They've met all these people that have blogs, that are authors, that run podcasts, that run conferences, that are TV producers, whatever it is. And I needed a way, what I found out, you know, after a few years of doing this, I figured out that getting the top eight to 12 people that a person is connected to, to do big promotions would get about, you know, it's, these are approximate numbers, but it's like that would sell 90% of the books of the entire list of 150 because most people don't have that big of a reach, even if they have a following, right? So even like me, I have a pretty decent following, but of, you know, when you compare me to other well-known internet people, I'm like a drop in the bucket. What I try to use the tier one, two, and three for is, okay, helping my clients think through what we're going to do for each person. Because like I had a client a couple years ago that was like, I'm going to be on a hundred podcasts. I'm like, well, fine, except that 10 of those are probably, probably 10 of those get if you add up all the listenership of 10 of those, it's probably double if you add up the other 90. So let's focus on those 10 and do some really good promotion to those 10 and we'll get to the other 90. 
later, if at all. So I would tell them like, okay, you need to tier these people out. So you only get eight to 12 tier ones. And then tier two are people with like medium size audiences. And then tier three are people with like, they have audiences, but it's relatively small. And what that does is it allows us to figure out where we should be spending our time. Because if you look at a list of 100 or 150 influencers and they're all just kind of a list of them, (laughs) it feels overwhelming. You don't know where to start. And what you end up doing is spending as much time on the person that gets a thousand downloads a month for their podcast as you do with the person that gets a hundred thousand downloads a month on their podcast. And so you're splitting yourself way too thin. I'm working on a launch right now. We're doing the same thing. He's a really well-known author. He's been doing stuff for a very long time. He could come up with a list of a hundred people easy. And I'm like, you only get 12 what are the best 12? And now we're just spending time doing really targeted campaigns for each of those 12. Now, in your case, it's a little different because you're not. Oh, the other reason that we do that is because we're on a time crunch, right? The book's coming out on a specific day. We want all the promotion to happen around that launch. And so, again, there's only so many things we can do between now and the launch. And so I don't want to spread my author thin doing 100 different podcast episodes when if they just do 10, they'll get the 90% of sales just off of doing 10 and they don't have to waste time doing the other 90. Now, in your case, it's a little different because it's not so much a time crunch. It's mostly getting into the rhythm of doing this on a regular basis. So what I would recommend to you is to not worry so much about the tier one, two, or three, not even right now to worry so much about the approximate reach, right? So we, you know, don't worry about that. And somebody in your case, what I need them to start doing is to start moving and getting on podcast. In fact, if you have one that you know is really like a top tier one that gets a lot of listenership, I would encourage you not to do go after that one yet. Right. What I would encourage you to do is to pick a few that are in that same kind of ecosystem of, you know, women's issues or something like that. And pick some kind of mid-level ones that aren't super well-known, but it allows you to get your feet wet and it will, you don't want the person that you're pitching at a high-end podcast to think that you're like never done this before, right? Right. So you want to kind of raise your status a little bit by being on a bunch of smaller ones and that way, you know, if you're nervous or like you're getting you know, you're getting a little overwhelmed during an interview and you mess something up, you don't feel like you messed up your, you know, your big chance on a big podcast. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So I wouldn't worry too much about those, right, those columns right now. Okay. Just start like reaching out and getting on any interview base. So Don't, I mean, if you want to reach out to the ones that are like book clubs that review books and offer them the book, that's totally fine. But I think if you, like, how many interview based podcasts are on your list right now? Just ballpark. Uh, About 20. Yeah. So just stop and pitch those 20 and try to get as many of those 20 to say yes or like 15 if there's a few you want to hold back on. And so I want to. You know, what I'd like to do is see over the next few weeks if you can get, you know, four or five interviews done and see how that goes. 
before you keep going down the rabbit holes. Because the other thing is that with each person that you're on their podcast, you're going to follow up with them and ask them for who you should be on next, what podcast you should be on next and get referrals to the next one. So I think 20 is a good starting spot and to just start pitching them. Okay. So how do I do that? So we, I have a template that I can send you and we can put in the show notes. But the basic idea is that you want to keep it short. I think the biggest mistake most people make is they are so nervous that they're going to like not put something in or be misunderstood or whatever that they end up writing like a 600 word email. (laughs) So my thing is like, keep it really brief, five or six sentences, you know, three paragraphs that each have one to two sentences. So it's really easy to scan. So I always start with like just a quick introduction. So this is assuming you don't know these people at all, right? Okay. So if you know the podcaster, it's mostly just like, hey, can I come on your podcast? (laughs) You know, (laughs) if they don't know you, you need to establish yourself a little bit. So you can just say, you know, hey, John, my name is Valerie Francis. I'm the author of the Masquerade series. And I'm reaching out to see if I would be a good guest for your podcast. I like to just say up front while I'm why I'm emailing. You don't want to preamble this. And then the next thing I do is I give them some kind of indication that I've done a little bit of research on their podcast. Most of the people that are pitching pitching these podcasts, they're copy and pasting the same email over and over and over and over. And it's as somebody who's been on the receiving end of these types of things, you can tell really easily when they put no thought into it. So this is where reading the site, listening to at least one episode, you know, maybe two or three episodes of the podcast so that you can just write one or two sentences about showing that you've listened to the show and why you think you'd be a good fit. So I usually put something in like, I'm a fan of the show. Uh, I particularly liked your most recent, you know, your, your guest Sue when you talked about X. Like I try to just drop in some kind of detail that shows that I didn't just they're not just on a spreadsheet list somewhere. You know what I mean? And then I say, you know, I feel like I would be a guest that your fans would really enjoy because and this is where we come into the Venn diagram where if it was a romance uh, podcast, it would be because I'm an author of a 12 part romance series Uh, for women in a hurry. And I would love to talk about uh, what it's like to write romance with your audience. Or if it's about women's issues, say I've written a 12 part, uh, 12 part book for women that touch on some of the major issues that run through the lives of the modern day women. I'd love to come on and talk about that. So this is where you frame your book to fit the audience. This is interesting that you say that because I I remember coming across a clip of an interview with Diana Gabaldon or Gabaldon. I have no idea how to say her last name. And she said when she would be sitting at a book table at an event and people would come up to her and say, what's your book about? She said it would, her answer would depend on the person standing in front of her. If it was a woman, she would play up the romance, the the love story part of it. If it was, you know, an older man, she would probably bring up the war aspect. If it was someone who looked like they liked science fiction or fantasy, she would play up the time travel aspect. So that's basically what you're saying, right? Yeah. You reframe your book 
to fit the audience that you're going after. And again, if you do this in just two sentences, you will set yourself apart from 95% of the other people that want to, that have pitched the podcaster to be on their show because you've shown that you actually listened to the show because you pointed out something particular that you liked and you showed that you're listening, you're familiar with the show by telling him why you're right for his audience. And those two sentences alone will greatly increase the amount of yeses you get. In fact, I was just walking some people through this over the last few months and a couple of them got email and I've gotten these email responses back too from the podcaster, whoever they're pitching, thanking them for actually being somebody that listens to the show or has listened to the show or thank you for sending me something so well thought out because the amount of shit copy and paste (laughs) pitches they get is ridiculous. I mean, I get these all the time where people like want to, you know, guest post on my blog and then they just list out all this stuff that I'm obviously not interested in. And so even if there's something in there I might be interested in, I just stop reading because it's so obvious they're not actually interested in posting on my blog. They're just interested in posting on a blog. So introduce yourself, say that you're about to pitch them for being on the podcast by saying, you know, I'd like to be a guest on the podcast, two sentences, and then let me know what you think. I'm happy to send you a copy of the book, Valerie. Super short. I think I just listed out five sentences. Okay. So you send it out. This is how I do this. So send it out and the first thing you do is go to the website and see if they have instructions on how to pitch the show because some of them have a contact form or an email address that is particular for you if you're interested in being on the show. I always follow their rules, right? I don't, especially the first time I try to reach out, I don't try to like snag them on Twitter or something to be on their show. I follow their rules because again, that's showing that I've done my research and I'm respecting their show. Now, if they don't have that, I'll email whatever email address I can find. If they don't have that, I will pitch them on social media. And I might even add a little line of like, hey, I couldn't find an email address for you. If you have one, I'm happy to send it over there. But I really, again, especially with the first pitch, just try to be very respectful. And so if they have rules or they have guidelines on how to how to pitch yourself to be on the show, just follow that. Then what I do is I wait a week, so five business days, and I follow up if they haven't responded. And usually what I do, especially if I sent an email, is I go back in my sent folder and I hit reply to my own email. And that way there's that RE colon in the subject line, so it's much more likely to get their attention. And I just put one line, something like, hey, I was just following up on this. And then the email's below because you replied to your own email. And I found it takes two to three times to really get people to respond. And then if they don't respond, that's fine. If they respond and say yes, then you go on the podcast and follow their instructions and all that. If they respond and say no... I always respond back asking them for referrals of a podcast they think would be a good fit. And a lot of people respond to that because they felt bad that they had to say no in the first place. So that's my methodology for that. So this is something that I'm going to need to create a rhythm for, right? It's not that I do everything now this week and then I do nothing for six months. So I would want to be pitching a couple of podcasts a week, right? 
Yeah, like what I would do now is pitch like five or six and okay. see what happens. Okay. Right. So because what happens is if you do two a week, you'll end up you can rhythm it, but they won't. Right. They'll be like, yeah, let's do it in April. And so you set a time and then you pitch two more in March and they're like, yeah, let's do it the same week in April. <laughs> so what happens is you might get in the rhythm, which is perfect. But I have it's like a. When I first got when I got my first job, I was bagging groceries at Kroger. And it was always so strange to me that no matter what time of day I worked, no matter what was going on, it would be like all the lines would fill up and then all the lines would be empty. Now, if you watch people coming in the store, it looked like they were just coming in at a normal rate, but it felt like they all waited in the back of their the <laughs> store with their carts and they would race to the front. And it's just weird. And you see this through life of like, no matter how much you try to keep things normal, when other people are involved, there's always like a, a high and low to it. I'm sure like people have actually studied this. But so, yeah, I think getting in the rhythm. But I think up front, like just send out five or six and see what happens. Because if you start sending out once you start going based on referrals, you're much more likely to increase your responses and the number of yeses. But when you're starting kind of cold you know, people aren't going to respond. They're going to say no, that kind of stuff. And I'd rather you like get too many and then be like, oh crap, then like do two a week for the first month and nothing really happens. Does that make sense? It does. It's getting exciting now. I mean, I had to spend so long getting things organized and untangling the marketing mess that I had created. <laughs> now that that's done, things are starting to move. This is fun. Good. So does that sound doable? Absolutely. I can do this. Good. So I would say do that as quick as you can so that maybe you'll get a few responses by the next time we talk. And yeah, and then we'll go from there. Awesome. Okie dokie. Think good thoughts for me this week. <laughs> oh, yeah, you got it. Easy peasy. <laughs> All right. I'll see you next week. All right. Thanks, Valerie. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Book Launch Show. For all the past episodes, the show notes, or to connect with me, you can go to booklaunchshow.com. I have dozens of free book marketing resources and articles that you can access at my website, booklaunch.com. Lastly, if you'd like to support the show, you can do that by telling another author about the show and by visiting us on Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating and review. Thanks for subscribing and being a part of our work here at booklaunch.com. We will see you next week.